up, tells me he's all good. And there it is. Good afternoon, Hello. Rob. How are you doing? I'm good, Jason. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I'm excited to be here and on with your audience and uh, have a discussion with you. You guys have uh, been doing a lot of good work and uh, getting a lot of things out there lately. And uh, some of the people you've been speaking to, like uh, Donald, you know, now I've been following him and holy smokes, I can't believe uh, some of the great things he's doing and, and how far this information is getting out there when everyone's putting it out there. Yeah, he's burning the midnight oil on both ends for sure. He's doing podcasts, he's doing radio shows, he's doing TV shows. He's out there getting that message out. And he's covering more than uh, the crude situation, political prisoners. He's also covering the Detective Helen Groose and more. There's more going to be coming from him. He's one heck of a retired officer, isn't he? Yeah, he is, absolutely. And it's really interesting to uh, to see you know good police officers like himself who are speaking out against... Um, the terrible things that are going on you know these people took an oath to serve the people uh not the government so when i see these people standing up for us it gives me hope and i mean at the beginning of this fight um you know there was a collective of police officers in my region uh the niagara region who reached out to me and let me know that their unions weren't doing anything for them they weren't addressing the issues they had and they were um giving me information that they wanted me to uh release and i was releasing it for them and uh it was it was uh causing a lot of conflict and issues in my life but uh i still pushed forward and did it anyways but uh they really wanted to uh silence these officers who really believed in the oath they took to serve the people absolutely so what are you seeing some of the repercussions are and what are they going after them like i know when the vaccine mandates came out a good chunk left because they didn't want to take it um but what are some of the other things you're seeing like are they tired of the corruption they're raising it and they're getting kicked out or yeah a lot reason? of uh you know a lot of things like that so i mean we'd start with uh of course the uh the vaccination uh a lot of people took issue they didn't want to take it and, uh, you know, a lot of officers were were put off on suspension or work from home or whatever these other jobs were. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they weren't happy. And, um, you know, so it, it came to a point where a lot of their fellow brothers and sisters in the police department um, were breaking away from them. And they, they didn't feel like they had union brothers and sisters anymore. They felt like they had people who had, uh, you know, bought into this whole scandal that was going on and, and it divided police departments and it divided friendships and it divided families. And, uh, you know, these, these guys were uh, very upset about uh, a lot of the things that were going on. And, uh, you know, and now, now we have this whole, uh, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion that's being forcefully rammed down um, these police officers' throats. And there's situations going on that I'm aware of. Uh, there, you know, it's not exactly public, but from people I speak to, where certain people who have uh, a certain amount of seniority, um, who are are uh, best fit for the job from their, um, you know, years in the service, are not being uh, made available for certain positions because they have the wrong color skin or they mm -hmm. don't don't fit into certain political narratives. And we're seeing, uh, you know, people get grouped in all these different, um, uh, like, subgroups, you know, when it should be like a unified front of law enforcement working together to take on crime. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you know who Rick Abbott is in the Edmonton Police Services. He was a staff sergeant. He's vaccinated, and I think this is important to the story. And what happened with him was while he was, you know, 
being a police officer, uh, officers came up to him and let him know that they had what they called the shame room. So the shame room is where the non-vaccinated officers had to eat their lunch. They couldn't eat in the cafeteria with the rest of the officers. They could go drive in a squad car with them. They can go take down people. They can go into domestic situations. They can go do police work, but they can't eat together. So there was a shame room. And keep in mind, he's vaccinated. So when he was told about this, he brought this to his superiors and said, look, we shouldn't be doing this. Um, why are we doing this? Why are we segregating? Why are we shaming people? Um, so that was strike number one for him. And then during the, the coot situation, he went down to Milk River to go on stage in his normal personal attire. He took his vehicle. He was not on the clock. He wasn't there under any official duty. He didn't even identify himself as an officer, from what I understand. He just told him to stay peaceful and, and don't resist and, and make sure that you keep it proper. Strike two, and that's all it takes in the Edmonton Police Service is you're fired. Um, so even though he's a vaccinated officer standing up for the dignity of his fellow uh, officers, he got the attention of the wrong people, and then they're just waiting for a reason to get rid of him. And, and that's what we're seeing around here, and this is insane. This is Edmonton. Like, why is this happening in Edmonton with the police services? Yeah, and I mean, even the uh, the police services here, um, you know, when I was speaking to uh, this group that was called the uh, United for Human Rights, the uh, Niagara Regional Police Force here, that was, you know, not the force as a whole, but certain members who uh, I was speaking to in, in uh, private, um, they let me know that, you know, they, they were having a hard time speaking out because if they went against the grain, they were going to get in trouble. So, you know, they, a lot of them finally found hope when they seen what was going on with the convoy in Ottawa. And that empowered them to finally take a position um, where they said, you know what, we see what's going on. We have to at least, you know, give the smallest token of good faith. So I believe there was four officers from Niagara who made videos and their videos were along the lines of, uh, you know, we took an oath to serve and, and uphold the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So we believe in, uh, you know, freedom of expression, freedom of speech, uh, you know, all of that stuff. So we support the convoy and what it represents. And every single officer in Niagara, uh, this isn't public knowledge. Uh, they, they didn't make it public knowledge, but they were charged with three different charges uh, in the Police Services Act. So they were, they were punished, essentially. And uh, for, you know, anyone who was an officer or is an officer knows that when you get those types of charges uh, against the Police Services Act, that's not a good look on your, mm -hmm. your record when you're going to apply for internal positions. Absolutely. So it was a coordinated effort. And in the unions, they were lockstep with the government. And what's the purpose of a union if they're going to work with the government and against their members? What's the purpose of that union other than to control the members? Yeah, you know, that's that's something I've heard uh, for far too long now since this all started. A lot of people who started reaching out in the earlier days and, and uh, wanted to get things out there were speaking about how their unions were not doing anything for them. It's like they were completely uh, under control of the system. And, you know, not that I actually know that, but uh, it sure seems like uh, a lot of these were, you know, the largest Canadian public sector uh, union there. The, the same with them. There was a lot of uh, members there who were unhappy with the services they were receiving uh, for the union that they fund to defend them. Yeah, and like the trucker union, for example, during the convoy itself came out against it. And then that was used by the government, media and others, even just average citizens saying, look, even the truckers aren't supported by the own union. But they were like they weren't supported by the union, but they're certainly supported by the members. Um, so this was a good way to control narratives like that as well. 
And uh, I'm I'm perplexed why people still pay in and why they contribute to unions when they're clearly uh, become just an extension of the government at this stage, except for the insurance industry. We can get to that in a second. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about unions. They they haven't been uh, you know doing what they're supposed to do and and defend the people who are paying into them. Uh, they've left everyone high and dry. And uh, yeah, I, I don't see any benefits to being part of a union anymore. Especially the teachers' union because they're fighting to keep teachers out of school and keep children at home. Like that was one of the fights for the longest time. The teachers' union. It's insane. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you know this, Jason, but uh, I actually used to work for the school board. I've worked for the Catholic board. I've worked for the separate board, and it's something that I can no longer do anymore, and I'm glad that I'm not a part of that system anymore. Uh, Everything that's going on in the schools right now is not to educate children. It's to take that little developing brain of theirs and just fill it full of information so they can absorb it like a sponge and be completely conditioned psychologically to this woke Marxist ideology that they want all Canadians to go along with these days. Yeah, it's it's horrible. And we'll get into that a lot more because it starts even before they get to school, like that starts into the entertainment that starts into the programs. They've got even some of the music. Like if you put your kid in front of Netflix now, be careful (laughs) because there's, there's ideology in there as well. And it's not labeled and in no way, shape or form can a parent know it's in there unless they're paying attention and watching as well. And sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's direct. Um, It's insane to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And same with YouTube, right? You, you throw on one of those videos and you know, parents, every parent's been guilty of it at one point or another, you, you got something going on kid jumps on YouTube. And then the next thing you know, the next video comes up, the next video comes up and, and you never know where those videos are going to lead you. You know, I've been watching YouTube myself at home and you'll, you'll have a certain song on or something. And then you can't believe, you know, three songs later where it took you to. Right. Yeah. And when I was talking about the insurance industry, what I was meaning there is during the convoy, there was a threat by Freeland that said, we're coming after your bank accounts, we're coming after your licenses, and we're coming after your insurance. The license is one they can handle because there's government regulation right there. They can just basically whatever they want there. The banks complied. Insurance companies did not. Um, what you didn't see was the actual insurance policies being canceled or anything like that because they pushed back too hard. So the government just basically said, all right, all right, we've got bank accounts. That's enough here, and it's working because <laughs> people are very scared when their bank cards don't work anymore. But if you remember, they came out with the three-prong approach. We're coming after your license, your bank account, your insurance, business and personal for all of that. Um, they didn't get the insurance company on board. They pushed back too hard. Because 100%, Rob, uh, insurance is built on public trust. And if you attack the public trust, what's the point of insurance? We'll just go back to not caring insurance. True. They made a a large enough stink for that, and the government conceded. They said, okay, we'll do the bank accounts. Right. And I recall when all of that happened, there were a lot of things that were being done during those dark times where, you know, they were trying to uh, have everybody stuck in this constant state of fear. And I remember one of the most disgusting things that I seen them do there was when they made an announcement that um, if you had children at the convoy, that family and children's services were going to kind of embark on where you were and take your children away from you. And um, that got a lot of people afraid, and rightfully so, as we know, we're dealing with, you know, quite an um, unprecedented circumstance here in Canada. Um, You know, that was was a scary time for a lot of people. And I believe it was Family and Children's Services that came out directly 
And they let us know after that they didn't, in fact, say that. And don't quote me on it, but I believe it was the public safety minister, Marco Mendocino, that came out and said uh, those words that were later, you know, uh, taken back. And, and after everybody was gone, of course, right? That wasn't actually said. So. And don't forget the pets. They were actually going to go after the pets, too. That's right. That's right. And it's so absurd and so crazy because, I mean, like, come on, like, that was such a good spot for kids, uh, for anyone who was lucky enough to be at that convoy, other than the way it ended. Um, you know, that was beautiful. I think of a time where a lot of children were taken out of school. I think of a time where a lot of children weren't able to play sports. I think about a time where a lot of children didn't have, uh, you know, the socialization they seen. And all of a sudden, a country comes together in Ottawa. You got family, you got friends, you got new friends, you got new religions, you got new cultures. You got bouncy castles. You got all you could eat food. It was like, you know, it was just the most beautiful family experience you could ever imagine. And, you know, they wanted to dismiss it as something completely different and, and take that away from these children when they've already taken so much from them. Yeah, they weren't very successful with that, though. I'm not quite sure what happened, but I kind of remember that CPS said there was no problems here. Uh, there was nothing to be concerned about. I, I think the threat came in that we're going to do it. They started and found no reason to do it. So in that case, if that's the case, kudos to CPS there for doing the right thing and not taking orders. But I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. I kind of remember some of that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's, so, it's been a while now, right? So it's hard to be brushed up 100% on all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, your advocacy. So would you consider yourself an advocate? I would. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, Especially and for children. Um, well, um, I would say that I've had some past experiences in my childhood that have led me down the path to, um, finding some, uh, healing through helping, uh, children and helping children, uh, not end up in certain situations that I ended up in as a kid. So, uh, I, I find, uh, I, I really enjoy trying to, you know, uh, protect children as much as I can. Um, you know, before all of this convoy uh, stuff was going on in, in our fight for freedom that we're all, uh, you know, in as a country, I used to uh, bring a lot of awareness to human trafficking uh, that's going on in our country. I'm from Niagara. Uh, the Golden Horseshoe here is crazy for human trafficking. Um, you know, we I've I've rescued women that are living under a bridge in my home city who are were oh, wow. being sexually trafficked. Um you know, for through their drug addiction by giving them more drugs. And that vicious cycle just kept perpetuating uh, for them until they were able to uh, have someone to talk to and, and, and find some resources and get out of it. Incredible, Rob. So you go out to the street and reach out to people who, who are in need and you rescue them. So how, how would you do that? Like, hello, I'm here to help you. What's the next step? Well, you know what? I, we should probably get into that because this is where my fight in this movement started is in my city, uh, I Welland, Ontario in Niagara. I, uh, I, there, there was right when this pandemic started, I realized right away, I would say about three weeks in, I go, this is really weird. We're shutting down, uh, you know, all the support for people who are alcoholics, uh, people who are addicts. We're closing the door on all of these people. And we're filling up their bank accounts with money. So all their support programs are gone and they're getting a bank account full of money 
every single store is closed except for the alcohol store and the drug store where you can go and buy weed and whatever. And I thought, isn't that a recipe for disaster right there? So I needed to keep myself focused and, and do something because I can't just sit in my house in a lockdown how they wanted people to do. So what I started doing was I was always interested in, in helping out with the homeless and, and giving back to my community. So I was going around and, and there was a program here in, in Welland that I'll, I'll leave unnamed that uh, does really good work. They still do really good work. And uh, they're basically a bunch of volunteers who get donations, collect money, collect uh, food, um, clothing, all that kind of stuff. And they feed and clothe uh, the homeless and uh, all that type of jazz. And I was doing that and uh, cleaning up needles and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, keeping the community good. And uh, I was a part of that. And then uh, when No More Lockdowns Niagara started here, um, we started having a few protests. And there was a lady named Alicia Herter who was a good friend of mine and she was charged. And then a buddy of mine, Cullen, who was a, what you would consider, you know, a no more lockdown leader here in Niagara, he was charged. And then I said, you know, this is kind of ridiculous that every time we have a protest, these people are getting criminal charges. Um, why are we letting the same people, you know, lead this movement? So then I called the protest the next week um, under my name and myself. And I ended up getting uh, charged as well. But before I actually got those charges, somebody reached out on the internet to one of our community groups and they let the people in the community know that one of those anti-masker, anti-vaxxers was working at this homeless program and not wearing a mask at it. So then I had to go to the program and they let me know that, you know, you're being smeared all over the internet. Everyone's talking about it in Niagara how there's this guy who's helping the homeless out without a mask on. So I made the decision to walk away and detach from that program because I didn't want to hurt their image anymore. Yeah. And, and they did really good work. And these ladies were lovely ladies and, and they didn't want to see me go either. So there was no bad, there, there was no, no ill blood there or anything like this. This was a, the right decision to uh, help ensure that program didn't uh, go down. And then I just went on my own and I, I began, um, you know, doing some outreach in the community on my own. And when I did that on my own, I had some of the lovely bylaw officers here in Niagara who would follow me around because they knew I was out in the streets and it's supposed to be a, a lockdown, you know, and uh, is the work I'm doing essential? Well, you know, I felt it was pretty essential. I felt these people needed a hand. And uh, I continued to do it while bylaw used to follow me around and try and intimidate me here in Niagara. What were the charges that you got? Criminal charges, mischief, or what was it? Sorry, mine was a provincial uh, charge. I got charged with eight pro provincial charges. I can't recall the exact name. It was 7.01 and 7.03, four of each. And it was for breaking the Reopening Ontario Act. And okay. then the... Uh, then the other one was emergency management provincial something EMCPA, I believe. Um, but what happened when you got those charges is nobody knew at that time, because this is right fresh when they started like put laying these charges on people. Right. So you got a provincial court summons to go to court. And then when you went there, your punishment could be anything from, um, you know, the max penalty was $800,000 in fine and eight years in jail. 
Now, the reason I say this is because it was each provincial court summons, which I had eight of, carried the maximum sentence of $100,000 in fines and one year in jail. At that time, I was nervous, as were many other people, because we didn't know if they were going to throw the book at us, right? We didn't know if it was something that was... We, we felt like it was going to be pretty serious because when these charges were being laid, we would see a press conference the next day from, you know, Doug Ford or Justin Trudeau talking about how people who are holding protests uh, have been arrested and charged. So we, we knew they wanted to make an example of people and we really didn't know how far, how far they were going to go. Well, now we know how far, eight years, 800,000 accumulated fines in time. Where are you at with these right now? Are you trial? Where are you at with these? So this is what happened with these. I was going through the process and they wanted me to take a guilty plea. Okay. They were telling me that I was going to end. They were telling me that I was going to end up doing, I think it was like three months in jail. And uh, I think the best I got the fines down to for the plea deal that they wanted me to take was like, they were going to suppress all my charges into uh, $12,000 in fines. So it would have been $12,000 in fines and then three months in jail or something like that. And my lawyers were trying to tell me to take the plea, you know, um, it's probably the best case scenario or whatever. And I kept saying, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I'm really not okay with taking this at all. Like, if these guys want me to go to jail, um, I don't know. I'm going to see it through. Like, I, I'm going to go and, and I'm going to try and fight this in trial. So that's what we did. And when I ended up going to trial, uh, they all, you know, I, I right away, all my charges were withdrawn. Everything. Right away. And... I found out that day how corrupt the system really is, how they, and I think the reason to this day that they put those charges on me and they hung over my head for all that time until they were withdrawn was just to keep me in line. So, you know, I wouldn't go on and, and have a big protest, like something we seen at the convoy. Right. Uh, they knew that, you know, uh, they thought at least that they could control me and that now that I had all these charges, it would, quiet me down a bit or it would make it so I wouldn't feel so uh, inclined to go out and protest. But I will say that when I was charged, uh, you know, with all of these and it kind of turned my world upside down because, you know, I'm not a criminal. I got three children and a wife. And uh, I will say, though, that three days later, I was at the same park that I started at having another protest. So they never stopped me. And, you know, they really only encouraged me to elevate my voice and I was so upset with the way I was being treated at that time and being called, you know, a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, an anti-science, this, that, whatever you want to call it, that it only elevated my voice, um, you know, much more than I ever thought it would be. It just made me want to be relentless and not shut up. So within three days, you're out there protesting again. Did they come knocking again, the same bio officers? They did not. They did not, which is weird, right? I think I think the whole objective of their mission was to wait. I sorry, I don't think I included this part of the story. So when they gave me eight tickets, they didn't give me a ticket one at a time. So they weren't like, oh, you were at this protest, here's a ticket. You were at another protest, here's a ticket. 
what they did is they took um, all of these events I was at. They they took pictures of me. They monitored Facebook posts. They clipped uh, flyers that I put out, and they waited until I put on eight protests. And then they came out to a protest I was at in Welland at City Hall, and they gave me a stack of tickets all at the same time. So I think they really wanted. So they give you tickets when you showed up at City Hall. In Welland, yeah, I, that's where the protest was at City Hall in Welland. Oh, that's interesting. So, but, but all the sorry, but the tickets were from different events. One was in St. Catharines at a rally. One was in Niagara Falls at a rally. Then another one was in Welland, which is my home city, at a rally. So it was all different events. But what mm. they did is is they put together a case like an investigation until they had enough compiled together that they could throw this big thing at me and and try and scare me and silence me. Did it even mildly work, or did you laugh at it when you saw it? Like, did you consider maybe I should do take this serious, or what would you think? Uh, I definitely took it seriously, um, but it, I didn't let it stop me. So, I mean, I always had it on the back of my head. Like, am I really going to end up going to jail because of this, or am I really going to have $800,000 in fines that I will never be able to pay for? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these were real thoughts that were racing through my mind. Uh, there was a lot of times where it, I couldn't sleep well. Uh, there were some times where I was like, maybe I should, uh, you know, uh, slow down on on the videos and the the exposure because, uh, you know, maybe that's just going to make things even worse for me. But at that time, there wasn't the amount of people speaking out like we have right now. Like it, it, it I felt like it was a calling um, and something that I needed to do. And I needed to see it all the way through, no matter what, because at that time, you know, I can think of, you know, 20 or 30 voices that were really elevating across the country. Now things are getting a lot better in the sense of all kinds of people are coming out and speaking to things. People, uh, you know, they're not as afraid to speak about things. Uh, look at someone like you, you know, I consider what you're doing to be very brave speaking uh on behalf of these gentlemen from coots uh whether people you know give you that much credit or not this is a huge void i've been watching for a long time that nobody really wanted to talk about these guys because of the seriousness of the charges that were laid on them but we need to remember that they're innocent until proven guilty they're not guilty until proven innocent that's not how things work in canada and god bless these guys i'm sorry that they have to deal with it this way yeah, it's incredible. Some of the hate online attacking us because we're even just defending it. For example, all the time, all the time, people are saying, oh, they're cop killers. But hold on, not a single person died. Oh, they want to be cop killers. Okay, but shouldn't we have a trial for that? Well, oh, you should just forget about them. Listen, person, if you were falsely accused, I'd be doing the same thing for you too. Um, it has nothing to do with their innocence or guilt at this stage. They should have bail and they should have a trial. Uh, being denied that turns it political in my mind and if it's political we got to question the entire thing why are they there to begin with especially if po political uh, people are involved like the poec like the ea like the pmo's office itself um you got a lot of things to be asking questions about and then rob when you put on top of that the silence of the media mainstream media we expect them to be silent but alt media was silent as well um, this, this was something that, you know, to me raised a bunch of flags that we need to, we need to take a closer look here 
you you call it brave or something like that i i just call it maybe some stupid curiosity because i was curious like how is this happening here in canada now if that exposes it and, and helps great but um as a justice type of guy i was i was curious why is there no bail why why are we still doing this um and i gotta tell you rob what i've uncovered it broke my heart it broke my yeah. heart yeah yeah, I mean, I've been following along your journey uh, for the most part as much as I can. And it, it's incredible a lot of the things that you've gotten out there now and a lot of the truth that we know. And, uh, you know, that's that's why it's important that we don't, uh, you know, consider anyone guilty. Uh, mm. you, you know, we, we need a due process. We need a trial. We need to see what's going on. And things, of course, smell political in this situation because we see some of the crimes that Canadians are committing and getting out uh, uh on bail is incredible you know during the one of the first lockdowns we had here in niagara we had a gentleman who i don't even want to call him a gentleman sorry i didn't i'm just used to saying that we had yeah. somebody who is a pedophile sorry and they were released the next day after the crime they committed and they had an assurity say they would stay at their house and then this person i think it was seven or eight days later i was reading an article they were caught again for doing an indecent act in front of a child so what do you think the ultimate punishment would be for that well it was released on bail with two sureties so how can we have people like that being placed back out in our committee or community two different times to you know repeat these offenses and traumatize children for the rest of their lives but we're just supposed to go off hearsay about what a couple people said about these people i don't buy that i want to see facts i want to see proof I want to see, uh, you know, what what they got to say, and 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 you know, I don't think there is any, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I was about to say I'm going to burst your bubble, my friend. You'll be waiting for a while because um, there is no evidence. It appears that there's scripting going on, which would be them trying to say what was going on and putting words into these gentlemen's mouths, but the evidence is just simply not there. I spent the morning with uh, Betty Carbert today, having coffee with her, the mother of Chris Carbert. And yeah, we were going through some of the information that she knows because she's gone through the full disclosure and she's been very, very present for this entire thing. And yeah, she was explaining to me how some of the communications between um, her and her son and Chris were just benign. They're just like, hey, what you doing? Um, talking about how they were planning to go home to see their kids next, the very next day. So on the 14th, Valentine's Day, the plan was to go home and, and go see their kids. Uh, but no, maybe they those messages. Well, we actually know all their messages were inserted. Insert, they, they, they grabbed uh, wires on all their phones. So they had all these messages for at least three or four days. So they knew that these gentlemen were planning to leave. And maybe that's why they hurried up and picked them up and, and did that. Uh, because Chris Carbert and Chris Lysick were preparing to leave. Well, right. that day never came. Yeah, man, it's it's such a sad story to to hear uh, what's going on with those guys. I I think that uh, I think there's a purpose to why they're in there, and I believe mm -hmm. that they believe that, that too, Rob. Just so you know, um, they believe there's a purpose for them. I believe that uh, you know God is is you know they're in there for a real reason because they can be because they can take it because they have the strength to take it. And I think eventually a lot of corruption and filth is going to be exposed at the hands of what those men have suffered. And I believe that they will be seriously rewarded in life later on for what they've been through. Canada will owe them a, gra a debt of gratitude for sure. Um, because 
here's what I think might happen because I know in my heart of hearts that they are innocent men. Um, yeah. There might be a, a firearm issue for one, but that's it. That's it. And again, in Canada, that's, that's a seizure. That's a fine. It's certainly not jail time. We don't do that here for that. Uh, but in either case, I do believe that Canada owes them a, a debt of gratitude because when they come out and it's exposed that they were innocent, there's going to be lots of change. We're going to be demanding change here in Alberta and across Canada. And it may impact the uh, Public Order Emergency Commission because that report was based on the Coots situation being real. Um, Rouleau put in his report, he believed that the national security concern was real. Uh, but now we know that that's not the case. So I was speaking to Keith Wilson about how do we go about... A, assuming, hypothetically speaking, um, they are found innocent in this system. They prove themselves innocent or the Crown has no evidence. We find that out. Is there a way, is there a legal mechanism to open up the POEC again? He doesn't think so. He doesn't think so. He thinks that once it's done, because it's an inquiry, it's done, done. Um, but I don't know. I think a public demand and pressure might be big on this one because you locked up innocent people. It's 548 days today. But by the time they get out, it could be close to 600 days. You locked up people for 600 days that didn't do anything wrong. I don't know. Do you think Canada will ignore this like all the other scandals? Or do you think that that's enough? That That's enough to push people over the top? I think that's enough to push people over the top. And if Canada ignores this, I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening. And, and I, I don't mean that in any bad way. I just mean I think there's going to be a lot of public pushback. I think people will end up protesting in the streets and, and uh, you know, exercising their democratic rights because you know we've had enough there's been too much going on in this country uh you know it's like it's like you try and talk to a politician and it's like they put their fingers in their ear and they're going la 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 they don't listen to anything they're looking all over the place you know i've spent a lot of time uh going around and trying to ask these people questions and and they don't like that they don't like to answer questions and you know that's your job so to know like people like uh you know pierre polivier uh these other politicians who like to call themselves conservatives have never even uh, spoke to any of these issues. It's, it's, it's concerning. It's very concerning. And there's very few, few people in the conservative party who would have spoke to some of these issues and they've been completely whipped. There are people that at the starting of all of this, were starting to listen and open up and talk to some of us. And as soon as they did something like, go for lunch with Christine Anderson, they got whipped for it, right? It, the, the order came right down from the top all the way down to the bottom. And these people were in a lot of, uh, you know, crap for for simply going for lunch and, and meeting with another politician and, and you know, just speaking uh, about collaborative things going on around the world. Well, I think we're at the stage now where we start naming names and calling people out. So I'm going to do that. So let me let you know about Glenn Motz, M-O-T-Z. He's an MP here in Alberta. I yep. have e I have emails where he was emailing back to constituents, giving them miss, dis, and possibly mal information about the Kootsman. He himself believes some sort of narrative, and he's propagating it. Now, the reason why I'm calling him out is because the first time it was brought to my attention that he did this, I contacted him. And attached the message that he's been sharing with people, which is complete misinformation. I'm giving him credit. Misinformation is just a mistake. Disinformation is on purpose. And malinformation is for malicious intent. So we'll give him some credit and we'll call it misinformation at this stage. Not only did I not get a response from him, he did it again. 
So he sent another message out to someone else with a similar narrative, which is completely false and fabricated. And he himself, Conservative Party member, is providing this with notice now because I have provided to him uh, notice that he is doing that. He's still doing it. So look, we're going to have to start naming names. So Glenn Motts, an MP in Alberta, is spreading misinformation about the Kootzman of Alberta. And this is in response to constituents who have concerns about what's going on. So not only is he ignoring what they're saying, he's trying to indoctrinate them to the narrative that he believes in. And this, this won't age well, Glenn. This won't age well at all, like I said in my first message to you. Because the truth is coming out, and it won't be in line with your narrative. And now you're on record, at least twice, providing mis-, dis-, or malinformation to constituents as an active MP. We need to start naming names here, Rob, because either they need to wake up and pay more close attention to the real information and even speak to the gentlemen, speak to the family, speak to the lawyers, go ahead and take a look at disclosure and stop assuming you know what's going on, or shut up, is quite frankly, as yeah. you put it, because you're the one out there putting this misinformation out there. It needs to stop. Yeah, I mean, I have no issue naming names at all. That's my uh, that's that's my uh, go to. That's that's what I do, bro. <laughs> you probably see on the internet. Uh, well, that's I'm what I do. I like from you naming names. So I'm yeah, I like much. I like to call, I like to call people out because they need to be called out. So now that we're we're calling people out, yeah, we'll get a little action going on on Jay's show tonight. Um, yeah, so the, the, the MP I'm talking about is Mr. Dean Allison. Um, you know, and and I'll be honest with you. It's, it's hard because uh, Dean was probably one of the only conservative MPs the entire time during the pandemic who would actually entertain any of us or talk to us. And uh, he's got a lot of the same views as we do. Anything good that you've seen go through with the conservatives, which isn't a lot, but like, you know, this, I think they put a bill forward that was like uh, to end uh, federal vaccine mandates or something like that. And that was put forward through Dean Allison. So when I got really disappointed at Dean, we'll talk about a conservative story here, is when they were going around when Christine Anderson was in Canada for the first time, I said, uh, I, I had shot Dean a message and I said, hey, I think it would be a, a great opportunity for your conservatives to go and meet with Christine Anderson. You know, she's from the AFD party in Germany there. Uh, they got a lot of support. Uh, she's the one that called Trudeau out directly and called him mm -hmm. a tyrant. Canada rallied behind this woman like I think it would be a huge opportunity if you uh, guys want to turn the page on your party and and go uh, you know you know meet up with this lady so what happened is him and Leslin Lewis went and met up with her okay they had lunch with her they had a meeting with her they thought she was incredible so then you know not even a day later or something I see something floating around on Twitter and it's like uh, you know somebody from the left canceled them they're like oh uh dean allison and the conservative party went and met up with that far right neo-nazi whatever christine anderson lady and uh you know so then they go on record and ask uh, you know little weakling pierre polyev there and he's like yeah she's a vile racist da 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 da, da. so then oh, i text or sorry not i i didn't text him it was my friend lee lee texted him and was like do you really think that she's like a vile racist or whatever? Like, uh, I was surprised to hear that. And he texted back and he was like, no, I had a great lunch with her. It was a really good time. She's a very nice person kind of thing. And uh, she, she was like, or then Dean was like, but 
you know, the party whipped me. Like I can't, I, I, they're telling me like, I, I, I have to, you know, toe the party line. So then Lee screenshotted that message with Dean Allison, sent it to me. And then I said to Lee, I'm like, fuck this. Oh, sorry. I know you don't normally swear in here. I go, uh, you know, screw this. And I put it on Twitter and it went viral. So there was a, a screenshot from Dean Allison saying, you know, how awesome Christine Anderson was and how she was a lovely lady and he enjoyed his lunch with her right after Pierre Polyev and the conservatives called uh, her a vile racist. So I think it showed an extreme amount of hypocrisy. And, you know, we what the conservatives have done here in Canada is they just pander to the cancel the cancel culture. They're so afraid of getting canceled that mm -hmm. they just pander to it. And that's why we can never get anywhere. And I realized that a long time ago, you know, people started I, I was first seen uh, walking down the road with a Gadsden flag in Niagara and the newspaper took some pictures of me and put up a big article saying I'm racist, anti-science and this and that and whatever. And I, I was really mad at first. I was really upset to be called all those names. And then I realized you got to wear those names like a badge of honor in today's world. The reason they're calling you those names is because you're, you're actually being impactful. You're actually making a difference. So the only thing they can do is gaslight you so they can try and dismiss you because your voice is more relevant than the mainstream media is. Well, this is actually a, a question perfect for this. Uh, do you support PP, so Pierre, and his <laughs> thoughts on it if we do see a video where he said he did? So I guess that's what you said you did? Uh, so I'm giggling at this because I think this lady was on your post earlier and she kept saying something like this. I do not support Pierre Polyev. I have never supported Pierre Polyev. And I would really encourage you to post where I said I supported him. And in fact, if I did say that just for fun, so you guys can burn me with it, I will go and post it on Twitter after. There was a time when Pierre came into power, like when he when he won the, the leadership race or whatever, right? Okay. And I was hopeful. I was hopeful that he would, you know, he kind of stepped up and was like, oh, I support the convoy and all that stuff. We all seen what happened at first, right? So I will admit, that I got high on hopium and I, I was really hoping that he would develop. I was hoping he would develop into a strong conservative leader and that he would realize that we need like a populist front here in Canada. So, I mean, I think there was a time where everyone went through that. I know some other friends that I have that people look up to, we were all kind of talking like there was a time where he was being a little bit aggressive with his words at first, where we were all really hopeful. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think there's been a time where I've uh, uh, supported Pierre um, in, in the last few years. I mean, it, some of his questioning against Trudeau and that in the house has been good. Uh, I, I won't not admit that, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't support the conservative party. They're, they're, you know, they're neocons. They're no different than the liberals in my opinion. Uh, unfortunately, it's just like a red jersey and a blue jersey, and right. they serve the they serve the same master. And uh, we need to get away from establishment politicians, and we need to have people like my friend who has Jason Levine MP in his name here. That's the truth. We need to have people like us run for these positions because it's really not hard to work in these positions if you serve the people you'll figure it out. You'll figure out what needs to be done to make the people happy. We've never seen a time before in our country's history where people are this mad at the Prime Minister of Canada, where they need right. to have an entourage of, of 
you know, goons, follow them around, flexed like this. That doesn't normally happen in Canada. You've done the people wrong. That's why that's happening. Well, the truth is they don't need the goons because nobody would actually really do anything because it's still Canada. But boy, they get a lot closer and be right into his face. I don't think he wants that kind of confrontation at all. He's not that strong. He's not that strong at all. Yeah. Uh, somebody's asking what brand wheelbarrow you carry your balls in. Because uh, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm saying you must have a wheelbarrow to carry those balls around. <laughs> That's hilarious, Jason. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's out in BC. He's a good guy. Yeah, I, I, I recognize Jason's name. I think I follow him, but uh, I see a lot of the work he does. And, and hey, man, this is how we get things done. I notice Island Jason's a guy who clips all kinds of people's shows and shares the footage out there. That's it, man. If you have a job and you don't feel comfortable speaking out or you don't want to get in trouble, well, hey, the least you can you can do is go and clip people's videos. And this is a fifth generation information war. So the only way to to beat this propaganda war is to, to put out the truth 10 times more than, than what they're putting out there. Yeah, and good for us. There's so much of it out there. We just have to go get it and put it out because the truth is out there. It's, it's pretty obscured, though. Um, look, I was on an interview just before this, and we we're talking about the Coos men and what they're going through and how the media just completely dropped the ball in this one. Uh, we understand the mainstream media for sure. But alt media, alt media really dropped the ball in this one too. Look, and we're in naming names here. So True North, uh, Western Standard, and Rebel. I'm really, really looking at the three of you to pick up this uh, challenge here, which is to fully cover this story. Uh, don't be afraid of uh, not knowing what you don't know. Interview the family. Talk to the men. Like we can facilitate conversations and really start taking this seriously. Because if we don't, Rob, we're going to have to replace even alt media. We're already well and truly on replacing mainstream media, but alt media, uh, I'm concerned that uh, we're kind of being left here. Well, you know what, Jason, I agree with you. And I think one of the biggest problems in our push forward is that we don't have a uh, media with integrity who will uh, actually go out and ask some of these tough questions. This is something that I, uh, you know, have been considering taking on, but the one thing that's hard is, is uh, you know, nobody wants to be labeled a grifter and and uh, all these names like this, right? But, you know, let's say like I did something like this and, and I had to travel eight hours to Ottawa and then, uh, you know, six hours back to Toronto and then, uh, you know, back and forth. Like, I mean, these things cost money. So I think what we need to do, I don't know how we find out a way to do this, but we need to find a way to be transparent and fund our our situations like this you know like if you guys spend i'll give you a perfect example this is the biggest thing our community lacks if you normally had cable and you don't have cable anymore and and you're just using like a android box or something like that i don't even know if you take subscribers jason but just throwing it out there pay this guy five bucks a month for a subscription or somebody else who's who's bringing you truth or or whatever like we need to keep the money in in the circle of people uh, you know, like a support unit for, for everything. If you used to go to the mall and get your jeans hemmed and you know uh, somebody in the community who, who hems jeans, well, go take them to them. If you're growing something in your garden that your neighbor's not growing in their garden, well, you go give it to them and then you trade them for something you don't have. We need mm -hmm. to focus on each other. We need to build our communities and we need to find ways to support each other so we can take out the alternative because the alternative is funded by the taxpayer money through the government. So it's hard to go up against them. So we need to make sure we do. Yeah. And I was talking to Corey, Corey Morgan from uh, Western Standard and he actually 
let me know something I didn't consider. Bill C-18, which makes it difficult to get through Facebook and stuff like that because they're trying to make Facebook pay for every clip of news. Um, he let us know that it's not really so much a challenge for their current subscribers because they can always just email them directly. They already have the subscribers. Where this really hurts them is new subscribers. They're not being able to reach new subscribers at all. So what ended up happening was Bill C-18, which caused Facebook to pull media or news off of their site, has basically stopped uh, new subscribers when it comes to um, alt media. Now, whether that was by design or not, that was the effect. Um, so I didn't even consider that. Like I thought, well, the reach won't be so big and it'll be hard to propagate. I get that. But they get zero new subscribers because they have zero reach now and, and they're just able to use a subscriber base. So by design or was that just a coincidence that worked out in the government's favor? They're shutting down alt media subscription based uh, services. Yeah, exactly. Who knows if that's by design or or what's going on? But the uh, you brought up a really good point with uh, with the media here in Canada and those three alternative uh, you know news sources. I it's hard. I have a hard time saying uh, too much bad about them because there's a lot of good things they do bring out there Absolutely. for us, right? And they're the only options. But at the same time, it's really unfortunate when when you hear you know. Donate, 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 donate. And then there's so many other things that people need to chip in money for. Cough, cough, like these the Coots guys and stuff. And uh, Dan Hartman's lawsuit is another big one. Uh, yep. You know, th things like that. Like there are situations going on. Pat that King. Pat King. Pat King's another one. Uh, you know, a lot of people. And, and, you know, don't ever get fooled, guys, because once you go over top of a target in this movement, people just start coming for your throat nonstop, nonstop on both sides. People who are conservative, people who are libertarian, people who are liberal, people who are communist, they all just start attacking you. We, we've seen it happen to people like Jeremy McKenzie. People just come flying out of the woodwork and mm -hmm. uh, they, they won't stop. So always form your own opinion. That's one thing I've done from day one in this movement. I get along with everybody. I always have, for the most part. There's not one person I don't think that I have anything bad to say about in this movement. There's people that I don't I disagree with. There's people that I don't care for that much, but I keep that to myself because it's counterproductive. And uh, if you're speaking the truth and standing in the truth, I appreciate you. Yeah, but in all fairness, there's even fractures on our side too, and there's people requiring people to take sides, and and there's some ugliness I've 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 seen. I'm not going to call names on this one because I still believe there's a lot of unity on our side, and misunderstandings can be embellished and things like that. But I do see um, whether it's personalities or just a lack of coordination because we're not a coordinated group. There is no central anybody that makes decisions and helps people understand things because of that, because we're a true grassroots organization. Personalities can get in the way and personal preferences get in the way. And I find that to be counterproductive. Now, you like everybody and you do a good job of maintaining a bunch of relationships. But for me, because I'm a journalist first and then a friend next, um, I have I have difficulty with look, I'm the hall monitor. Nobody likes a hall monitor because the hall monitor is the one that says, Hey, you're breaking the rules and stuff like that. Uh, but you appreciate them when you know there's calm civility and, and you don't have criminals around anymore. But we also become a lightning rod. 
you know, people come attack us, our integrity, and to just shut us down as a source of truth, because sometimes the truth may expose them or may expose a secret or may expose something that people don't want out there. How would you navigate that? Because I do find that to be a challenge in the current times, being a fresh journalist here, of just following just the truth without um, worrying about consequences, because there's several of them out there. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I mean, I, I kind of have seen, um, you know, as your voice has elevated and the coverage you've been doing has been going very far. Um, I've noticed people that, uh, you, you know, and I'm not going to say names either, but you would consider influencers or people with big mm -hmm. accounts who uh, may have been upset with you or took issue with something you said. I don't know the story. And it goes right out to the public for, you know, 30,000 people to see or 20,000 people to see. I don't think that's good because then all these people start and it's you haven't done it. So I'm not calling you out, but I don't think it's good when people do that because then you got all of a sudden people are distracted once again and they're picking teams and they're picking sides and they're seeing who they want to, they, they want to attach themselves to. And, and then you got this big unified front that just keeps getting smaller and smaller. People keep branching off in their own small directions. When you need bodies, you need people to come together and to make this message contagious. We need as many people as we can on the same team. You know, we're all fighting together under that Canadian flag. Mm -hmm. It's upside down right now, that Canadian flag, but yeah, we're still fighting underneath it because we need to get that back right side up. And I agree with you though, Rob, you know, it, we don't need it. We really don't need it. Uh, we have enough battles. We don't need to be cannibalized in our own efforts as well. But that's the trouble. We don't have adjudicators. We don't have mediators. We don't have a central command because we're not centrally commanded. Uh, we're a whole whack of independence with strong alpha attitudes. So oh, you're definitely going to see some horns clash in that environment. Um, but what kind of advice could we give to our, our side and, and, and our effort to try and put personal preferences and maybe some clashes aside and keep focus on that flag so we can turn it right side up again? Well, the one thing that I like to do, you know, the way I roll is, is if I have an issue or, or a problem about something, I reach out to people and I'm like, let's talk about this or here's my phone number, call me. Maybe we can figure it out because it's like the telephone game. Mm -hmm. something gets misconstrued passed on to someone passed on to someone passed on to someone by the time it gets around full circle it's a completely different story so maybe you're not even upset about whatever it is that you think you're upset about and it could just be you know this information that's been passed around and been a little bit exaggerated all the way around i like the way you think because you're a very uh, nice guy you're absolutely giving everybody the benefit of the doubt and, and leaving it to misunderstanding. And that's where I'm going to leave it as well. Um, hopefully communication and dialogue is a solution here. But look, I, th I think it's going to happen. The more elevated platforms get, the more people want them to end for whatever reason, whether it's jealousy or uh, they don't think they have the right message or whatever it is. Um, so I'd like to see that ecosystem continue because I do like checks and balances and I don't want anybody to be getting free rides because they're on a side and I'm not a fan of silos or, or eco echo chambers as well. Uh, so I think it's a, a necessary, I don't want to use the word evil, but it's a necessary thing that has to happen because that is our check and balance really. You know, I may not like uh, 30,000, 60,000, something thousand accounts calling me out and asking questions and hard questions or allegations. But at the end of the day, this is also how we do our check and balance. Um, True. So, so, you know, it I may just be an ugly part of it, but I think it's necessary sometimes. You know, just to take us back for uh, a really quick part in this history of this movement, uh, I'll give you an example where I live in Ontario. 
Um, I'm not sure if you were following along at this time, Jason, but this is way before the convoy, like right at the start of people starting to put protests on. Um, in Ontario, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people knew Chris Sky at, at the beginning, mm -hmm. right? And uh, then all of a sudden there was this another, and I would never name these people and cause drama, but we've all been through this already and they don't care that I talk about it now. So anyways, there was Chris and then there was this other guy named uh, Tyler. I can't even remember his last name, but he was like a rap artist and whatever. Long story short, they were both leaders in their own way. And they were both good at, at, at that time, there was a need for leaders. I don't believe in leaders, leaders anymore. I think we need to have a leaderless movement that is grassroots. Um, it, it, we can talk about that. I see your face there. I know, in, I in like you. I like that. Yeah. yeah. In different ways. Like, you know, we, we, we all, because in reality, the only way we're going to be able to change this is if we're leading ourselves, our family, and our friends in the right direction. So we can't look up to leaders. We need to look up to God, and we need to look up to ourselves as as a, a beacon of truth. But just a really short story. It got ugly early on. I realized that, you know, Chris Sky was this guy everybody knew and this big figure in Canada. And then Tyler seen that, and Tyler wanted to be like that too. So right away, Tyler didn't like Chris. And then because right. Tyler didn't like Chris, Chris didn't like Tyler. So then we got to the point where everybody knew who the main leaders were in Canada at that time because there wasn't a lot of people around. And we would witness Tyler would go on a live at nighttime and then, a, you know, a thousand people would jump on or whatever. And he would go off about Chris without saying Chris's name. And then Chris would defend himself and he'd go on a live and he would say a whole bunch of things about Tyler. And then I, this is where I came in the picture. And I was like, you guys are both cowards because <laughs> you're not talking to each other and you're both calling each other out without saying each other's names. And all of a sudden I'm watching your accounts and everybody's going on this team and everybody's going on this team. And now we're fighting with each other when, you know, a couple months or a month ago, we were going to Queens park and there's thousands of people showing up in a park unified. And now nobody wants to go because everybody's fighting with each other. So, uh, so yeah, they're, they're both good dudes and that's all over and done with. And, and I, I like them both. I'm good with them all, but learning from our past and learning from our mistakes, that's when I had a learning experience where it's better to put strong personalities aside instead of clashing, calling it out. Like me and Tyler talked to each other at one point and we're like, yeah, man, we're two different people. We're two different missions, but we could stand by each other. And, and we did. And that was fine. Um, but I realized it was pretty counterproductive to just keep having all these people constantly going back and forth at each other. Yeah, I was asked whether or not I believe that certain people are feds, and I've come to the conclusion that I believe nobody's a fed because they don't need to. We cannibalize ourselves. We don't really need the feds to come in and cause a ruckus and, and fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We do it ourselves. Um, and it's also because we don't have leadership. So when you made that comment about a leaderless uh, movement, I agree with that. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of things that would make it difficult, but what we saw with the convoy is, is the government identified handful of leaders and then they targeted them and arrested them and that's taking the head off the snake um and they also used the leadership role as an excuse to go ahead and crack down because we heard this in the poec public order emergency commission that um they couldn't coordinate and they couldn't get a hundred percent buy-in of all the truckers and this is what the government was requiring in order to negotiate with a particular group they wanted to understand that they were more like a union that represented all the members horrible idea because first you're not going to get that 
you're not going to get 100% buy-in. The government themselves can't get 100% of people to buy into anything either. But yet they were requiring this of this leadership group or they bring in the EA. So it was doomed to fail all along. Um, and also it's a way to end the movement. You just take out a handful of leaders and then you're done. Uh, so from the government perspective, having a, a couple heads and that's all you need, that's a risk. It's a risk to the movement itself. Um, how how you coordinate without naturally leaders coming up and bubbling up will be tough uh, because that will happen even in a group and the cream rise to the top. But I'm curious and I'm curious on how that can happen because I do believe grassroots, regionalized, smaller groups uh, is all you need or like pods. Um, and that's about it. But tell, tell me more about how we can do a, a leaderless group or a movement. I'm, I'm curious. Well, I think the, big, the biggest... Um part to doing that would be to make sure you're you're influencing people without uh pushing them in a certain direction you know make sure that that you're you're producing you're not just consuming so even on the internet when you're on the internet and you're reading all this negative stuff every day uh you know make sure that you have solutions and make sure you have uh positive feedback as well and i know i'm guilty of being negative sometimes and i can get in a funk myself as well too we all can but, you know, make sure that you're, you're putting, uh, you know, 90%, I would say, of your energy into solutions, real solutions. Like, you know, we hear about inflation and how high groceries are and, and whatnot. Well, make sure you guys are putting in your own gardens and you're learning how to garden and you're learning how to, how to you know, work with your neighbors. And, and, and we really need to go back to this community way of living you know we you would remember when when we were young it was like so different everybody was there for their neighbors like you know crying out loud if you had something to do you you know your parents would probably just say okay go over to the neighbors for 20 minutes while they ran to the grocery store and you were playing street hockey or you know what i mean like it was way different then our yeah. communities were safer uh we were all outside more get outside people like we gotta get off these these, uh, you know, we're always on our computers and, uh, you know, but the, the biggest thing is to make sure you know that at the end of the day, no one's coming to save you. Pierre Polyev's not going to save you. Maxime Bernier's not going to save you. Derek Sloan's not going to save you. Um, you need to make sure that, you know, you know, if you're a man, you're the man of the house, you're there to protect and provide for your family and your children. And, and, and that's, what you were assigned to do at birth and we're coming up to some crazy times so i mean you know you want to make sure that you're in control of yourself um emotionally as well uh you know the smallest mistake can get you in a lot of trouble and the reason i bring this up jason is i was listening to a particular interview you did with someone that i look up to a lot danny bulford yes, and you were talking time. to you were talking to Danny, if you recall, uh, at this point, he was talking about how he couldn't believe the things that were running through his head being an, an RCMP officer at that time. He was thinking about, am I going to have to square off against my own people that I used to work with and whatever? And then, you know, he was kind of changing his thought process and it's easy for us to get emotional get mad get upset so you got to make sure that we know how to control our energy when that happens because these people not want nothing more in the world than us to slip up and make a mistake right so mm -hmm. if you're mad if you're angry if you think you're going to do something stupid 
make sure you go and spend some time with a friend. Make sure you go and hit the gym and get that, get rid of that negative energy. Cause it's easy to let that build up and, and for people to make the wrong decisions. And, and we don't want anyone to make the wrong decisions. I like that advice for sure. Uh, if there's a big email you want to send, sleep on it. Take your yes. time, send it the next day. If I, you're I, upset, sleep on it. You know, and I learned this the hard way when I was going through some some rough times before. You know, I've wrote some stupid tweets out and uh, just hit enter and then gone to bed and woke up the next morning and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? You know, and that's what these woke Marxist people do is they 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 want to provoke you right they they want a response that's what they want you to do they are there to poke you and keep poking you until the bear comes out so the trick is to make sure that the bear is always hibernating but keeping an eye on what's going on the whole time you know what i mean you're dead right and and this is why we heard the the chant not too long ago we're coming for your children that chant we heard that because they wanted to increase the paranoia and the frustration of directly telling us what they're planning to do so that somebody will swing at them on video or attack them on video because uh, that's what they're waiting for. Because as soon as that happens, the whole force of the police and the government gets behind them because now we have Cindy who was attacked at this one rally or George who was attacked and this is all we'll hear. Thank God. And I do mean that in its fullest sense of the words. Thank God uh, we haven't in, moved in that direction. We're not doing that. Um, for example, when the convoy started, I, I wasn't there at the beginning, but I recognized kind of like Danny uh, uh, what the consequences could be very quickly. Uh, so I was doing lots of praying that an ambulance wasn't blocked, that a police officer wasn't hit with a snowball, that a black guy wasn't created by one of our side. I was praying for that because that's all it would take. Just one yep. of those. One one ambulance and one person that can't get to the hospital because of a blocked road. That's all it would take. And if that happens, the complete public perception would change, and then we're done. No, that didn't happen, thank goodness. Uh, they didn't need that in the end because they just basically faked it and created it anyways and brought the EA down. But now we at least have a chance to say, well, look, we went through that inquiry, and here's what you said, and this is not what the evidence shows. And at least we have a chance now to pull it apart and take a closer look at it. Whereas had there been an ambulance or a black guy or a police officer attacked, we wouldn't have a chance. We wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. As soon as you, as someone slips up and makes that mistake and, and, you know, uh, something wrong is said or some type of violence happens, that's the biggest setback you could possibly have. Because you got to remember that that's what they want to happen. So you just, Correct. that's why I say stay strong as you can mentally, physically, eat healthy. You know, um, I don't, I certainly don't look like I eat too healthy, but I'm on track now and I'm working towards to practice what I preach. Right. Um, and, and we all need to do this because we got to be the best versions of ourselves. because I, you know, this is something that's not going to end overnight. Unfortunately, this isn't something that's going to be done in a few months. This isn't something that's going to be done in a year. And I hate to break people's heart and say that, but it's, it's just the truth. Um, so you got to be ready for battle. And, and the, the best way to be ready is, is to be timid and, and be calm and, and have a cool head and be capable of, of being a warrior, but you don't need to act like one. You know, where we've always been in 
defense mode since day one. Uh, you know, these people keep accelerating themselves and accelerating this agenda. And as everyone can tell, um, they're burying themselves in the ground by doing so. You know, the mainstream media used to hold so much weight over us. It's insane. I remember when I used to have 150 people on my Instagram and I would be posting whatever I want. And I would have thousands of people come dogpile on my post and just attack me. And it it mm -hmm. it made you lose all that power and all that hope. And it made you just want to shut up and not post anything else. Now, it's hilarious. It's the complete opposite. The media holds no merit. The engagements that people like us get on our post are ten times the amount that they get. They hold right. they they they're they're not valid. They're 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 useless. Even when they put out a story that frustrates you. Try not to engage with it too much because that's the only reason they get any engagement is because we engage with it and then it starts popping up on other people's feeds and pages. Nobody trusts the media. Uh, they're, they're the biggest weaponized tool against us. They have been since day one. And I think we're going to see them completely fall to their demise. And we just need to uh, let them crash and burn while they do that. I agree completely with that uh, wholeheartedly uh, because it's it's a challenge now to believe anything that you're told um, and not just because they're state run. It's because they flat out lie. They just flat out lie. And who's holding them accountable? Uh, the media was supposed to. There was a time where if media outlet A said something they were wrong, media outlet B would be the check and balance and hold them to it. But now the division with that is so strong that People don't believe it. So when the sun says something about the star, it's just ideologically, politically motivated. It's not truth anymore. Nobody believes either side. And that's a challenge. And then when we have alt media who's not pushing back at all either, they're just kind of stepping in line with uh, the, the concerns that the government is going to do something to them. <sighs> I sit I here and go, I, dude. I think a lot of the problem um, with alternative media is that I think they're opportunists, uh, to be real. I think that they see what this left-wing media has done to itself, how they buried themselves, how the pendulum's about to swing, and how if they, you know, stay within the guidelines of, of the conservative party, that there's going to be a potential future of money making for them. And I think that's what keeps them in check from really serving the people uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah, and, and it's an economic battle too. Like, I would starve if I didn't find a way to have my food. Um, you know, I know we grow our own stuff, but look, the whole point is media is still a business. Uh, you, you still need to show up every day and do it. Um, so I'm curious, I'm curious. Like, I'm looking at the rebel model, which is donate and give. But the challenge there was, um, I'm just going to keep it to the coots thing. So they weren't covering the the story at very little uh, or at all. Uh, they weren't in the court until um, the last week where they were there on Monday, Tuesday. However, on Tuesday, people were starting to receive emails because a whole bunch of people sent it to me where it was rebels saying, hey, look, we want to continue covering the coot situation, but please donate so that we can do it. And then they weren't there on Wednesday. So I guess the uh, assumption that could be made there is they didn't receive enough donations to show up. Uh, that's like a pay to play type of model. You pay me, I'll show up. I don't think that, I don't think that works for media. 
Um, so how, how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we get a new type of media? And I saw somebody in the chat that says maybe we have to come up with a different term and stop calling it media. But how do we how do we get back to check and balance when mainstream is paid off, alternative is struggling to survive, and, and they're doing their best to subscription base it, don't donation based it. But even them, it appears that they're struggling because they didn't get enough money to show up on the third day and fourth and fifth day of that week. Um, and by the way, I'm just presuming because the email went out on Tuesday saying we need to be donated to go there and they didn't show up. So I'm taking them for their word there that maybe they didn't get enough donations. But that that model, Rob, is broken too. Um, well, I'm not sure. Yeah, that is a broken model. But I mean, at the same time, Let's be real. Uh, you you got to have like a kitty, like you know, when you're get when you're bringing in a certain income, and then you ask for donations. If you don't have, if you didn't get the amount of donations to go to cover that important Canadian event, well, you've definitely got some money from different avenues that have come in that you can pull from to go and cover that event. In my opinion, because you know. We know that there's a lot of donations going into that agency and uh, there's no reason that they should, that, that they're not there covering that. This is one of, this is the most important story in Canada right now. Everybody so. should be, should be there covering it. Uh, you know, I almost want to get in my car and drive three days away to cover it. <laughs> like, you know, but I, it's just, you know, uh, with the price of gas and everything else going on there, uh, yeah, it's 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 a void that we need to fill. We gotta come together as this grassroots movement and figure out how we how we can make this happen. Because you know, we really we really need to have people uh, covering all of this stuff. And I really feel like there's a lot of familiar faces who are covering uh, media around, like yourself, uh, like myself, like uh, lots of people. You got Daisy in Ottawa. You got there's mm -hmm. people all over Canada is what I'm trying to get at. So you know you got to have a certain. We got to find a way to have, you know, people cover this certain jurisdiction, this certain, and until we have the whole the whole uh, country covered. You know, even somebody like uh, you know Karima Saad. Uh, a lot of people don't like her because she's, you know, we don't know where she stands politically. I I, I believe she's closer to the left or whatever but at least when she goes to a lot of these events she posts a lot of footage whether she likes it or not so you know i would rather see someone like her with a video on the ground covering news than reading an article from uh rachel gilmore who was never anywhere you, you know right. what i mean so yeah. there's a there's a huge need uh right now for alternative media on all sides of the political spectrum because all of these people are just you know, they're just writing whatever the hell they want, whatever anti-hate's telling them to write, whatever these government-funded agencies and whatever the Liberal Research Bureau, you know, there's all these these uh, in, these little pockets of money and, and pockets of, uh, you know, Marxist influence that, that, that have, have been channeling these stories, these fake hate narratives and, and all this garbage we see that's not actually existing that keeps these conversations going and keeps Canadians divided. Yeah, I'm thinking in my head here how we can address some of this. And the first thing that came to my mind around the subscription donation model is transparency. So let people know where the money goes, like right down to the line item. So if I donated $100, I would literally see a line that says, uh, 
your hundred dollars went towards a two thousand dollar flight ticket for reporter A. I think if they had that kind of level of transparency, people would actually give a lot more because they know exactly where it's going. Going into a big pool and they're always asking for donations and subscriptions and it's on every single message, but you don't know where it goes and you're wondering why are they still asking? I think that could be part of the problem. So if if we were to do some sort of donation-based funding, tell people where their dollars actually went, right down to it went for gas for this person on this particular um, story. So you can kind of track where your dollars went. You may be more inclined to contribute more if there was a model like that. Yeah, I think so too. And and, and I think a lot of people have, uh, you know, seen money that they thought were going to certain avenues that didn't end up in fact going to certain av avenues, which is, you know, made it so people are less inclined to, uh, you know, contribute financially to certain causes mm -hmm. when, you know, a lot of people are struggling right now. So who wants to give money away when, when they know that, uh, you know, it can be going uh, misused uh, somewhere else. So. Yeah. So that could be a, one way to do it is, is the accountability side, transparency side of it. Because there's a lot of people that will contribute, but this economy is tough right now for people. So if they're going to even give $20, what they don't want to think is happening to it is it's just going to the CEOs or executive salary. But if they actually see where it goes and what story it is impacting, then maybe maybe they'll contribute and, and contribute a little bit more. Now, I kind of want to get into one of our biggest problems, and that's the current society is heading towards changing children into little adults. Um, meaning they get to make mature decisions. They get to do what they want with their bodies. They get to make uh, sexualized decisions, stuff like that. They're no longer children. This entire movement is trying to create little adults. Um, how do you feel about that? And I know that you're not happy with it, but what I mean by this question, how do you feel about that is, how do you feel, like, why are they doing this? Is this a distraction from the globalist agenda? Is this part of the globalist agenda? Um, why, why are they doing this? Well, I don't think anyone could be certain as to why they're doing this, but, uh, you know, it's disgusting, it's vile, um, it's inhumane. Um, our children are precious, and we all need to make sure that we protect them at all costs. There's nothing more important in the world than that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's disgusting. Um, I wouldn't mind filling your viewers in on what happened that day at uh, pride in the park where I went. Uh, is that what you kind of, yeah. So after seeing a lot of things that were going on on the internet, um, you know, with, with these videos from, um, lives of TikTok, things like that, I thought to myself, you know, this has got to be hyper inflated. I should probably go in person and check this out for myself. It can't be this bad. So I okay. went to a park in niagara it was called montebello park in st catharines and they had a pride in the park event when i initially went there uh you know i pulled up in front it was like a big family thing there were kids everywhere i thought okay well you know maybe this isn't too bad so as i entered the park there was police diversity equity inclusion police officers in rainbow police uniforms wow. with paramedics beside them and I passed them and I was kind of shocked, like, wow. And I went and I walked down to a line of where the vendors are. And the first uh, vendor that I walked up to, the first thing I seen on display 
was uh, pornography. And it was very um, vile as well. Uh, you know, boy on boy stuff, girl on girl stuff. I, I won't get too much into it in case people have children around the computers right now. Um, but it, it was very graphic, very not appropriate for children. And when I was standing there, kind of, in sh not kind of, I was definitely shocked. A little boy ran beside me and his dad went up to him and he's pointing at the picture that I just seen. And he's like, dad, what is that? And, you know, like the kid was confused and I wanted to pan my camera over so bad to show, you know, the audience that there's like a three-year-old kid there who's witnessing this. But obviously I wasn't going to do that and put a kid on camera, mm -hmm. you know, and, and put it all over the internet like that. But so I took a lot of pictures and I, I documented what I seen. And when I walked a couple feet over, I seen a drag queen and uh, I went up to the person and I said, Hey, uh, you know, what time is the drag uh, queen show at? Cause uh, I wanted to go and videotape that and see what was actually going on. And they said to me right away, I know who you are. You're Rob Primo. You're not welcome here. Uh, you, you better just leave right now. Um, like I said, cool heads prevail. I didn't want to be confrontational, so I just kind of ignored and, and continued to walk away. Next thing I noticed, I had security on me. Uh, I went over to security guard. I let him know, you know, you don't got anything to worry about. I'm here documenting this event. I'm not, I'm not like someone who starts fights or drama. Um, and he goes, well, it's all good. He goes, I'm on you for the day now, though. The Niagara Regional Police sent me over here and they wanted me to be obvious with you. So, you know, you knew that we were like on to you kind of thing. And uh, I'm like, oh, OK, uh, sure. So me and him kept talking. Great conversation. Muslim guy, another guy who's totally against everything that's going on in the park. He's against all of it, but he'll still show up and work and be there to collect a paycheck. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in our country these mm -hmm. days. You need to align yourself with your morals and your values and your views and, and don't sin. Don't just go in and break the rules for a paycheck. But anyway, so after our conversation, I decided to pack it in and leave. When I left, I didn't know what to do. So I called a friend and I told her everything that happened. She called the police and made a report about everything. I spoke with them as well, passed off. Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't talk about the, the video. So someone else got a video there of the drag performance and they were dancing uh, very inappropriately in front of children. And uh, they even went off the stage right in front of a little group of children and they went down to do the splits. And when they went down to do the splits, the banana came out and uh, it was it was very gross and, and a traumatic experience for all children in attendance, for sure. So we left. We had the images, the uh, dancing for kids while kids paid money for these dances and the male genitalia exposure in front of children, all in a family park at a public event that was funded by the municipal government who gave a $5,000 grant to Pride Niagara. So your tax money paid for kids to see nudity, pornography, and the banana in the park was all funded with your money to see that. And, uh, you know, pretty worked up, called the police. My friend did, made a report, everything. They let us know they'll get back to us. 
Got a call back two days later, letting us know the investigation was going to be closed. Further discussion revealed that the reason that this investigation was going to be closed is because of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom. The person who had the uh, pornography images on the display uh, said that they were artwork. So they were expressing themselves through artwork. So they couldn't lay a charge because they're protected by the Canadian Charter of freedoms which we've seen trampled all over not respected and not held up in any process so far as for them for most parts right so that's where where that story lies uh no charges were laid and then after that was done there was a uh, protest that was uh going to be organized in front of the school board and when this protest happened here in niagara we had um the Niagara Catholic School Board um, actually had a bomb threat one day. When they had a bomb threat, it rattled the community and everyone took to our local Facebook groups and that and they started going on about how there's a bomb threat and it's definitely because of uh, pride in the park and the LGBT thing, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, they painted this big, long narrative, essentially, that myself or somebody else called a, a, this bomb threat or a threat into the school. And even Niagara regional councillors were sharing this misinformation around. I'm getting messages all day. People are calling me. Did you see what's on the internet? People are assuming you did that. This is the most ridiculous thing ever. I'm a father mm -hmm. of three children who coaches soccer teams and helps the homeless out. Like, get out of here. You know? Um, so anyways, it all came out. The police made arrest. They figured it out. It was actually a person who's a male who identifies as a female who's a part of this whole alphabet mafia, who's struggling mentally, who called and made these this bomb threat happen or whatever. So I had to go through a whole whirlwind of crap when that happened as well. So this whole situation that happened in this park caused a lot of issues with me. So I decided I wasn't going to ignore it. I was going to pursue it. So I figured I called the police. They're not doing anything what do i do next so i went ahead and i called the mayor of st catherine's and anybody who follows me on twitter would know how much of a headache i've had trying to reach this mayor it's been over a hundred days now since pride in the park and i've called him i've emailed him i spoke to his team i've spoke to people who sit above him he's never returned my call he's never returned my emails he's never answered my questions I've tried to speak at regional council on a municipal, you know, government level, and my delegation was blocked uh, the first time um, due to a procedural error on my behalf. So you're supposed to put it in 14 days early. I believe I put it in 13 days early, even though nobody was speaking on the agenda and there was a lot of room to still have a speaker. They used the procedural violation to block me from speaking, which was very dirty. Mm -hmm. And then I applied a second time and they said that what I was speaking to wasn't on the agenda. And it's just been this big runaround where they've essentially uh, stonewalled me. So I can't go to uh, the regional council here in Niagara and speak. I haven't had any luck so far. So I'm not sure where this is all going to pan out. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to give too much away, but I'll let you guys know that uh, I've definitely taken this up the chain of command to the ombudsman and I was uh, say there. that would be your next step yeah I, I i'll 
we can talk in private later. And, and sorry, I know that infuriates people because they want to know, but clearly I don't want to let everybody know what my move is in holding the municipal government accountable for silencing me. Um, I want that to be a nice surprise for them. <laughs> in other words, you're just building up for the part two of Rob Primo. Viewers will come back and then you'll tell them at that point. That's it. Exactly. No problem. I would love to do that. I just don't want to, obviously this is all legal and, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the right process of, of, of holding them accountable, but I, I don't want to uh, set off any bells and alert them to uh, what I'm doing. No, and, and that's a good strategy. You keep your cards close to your chest and do what you got to do because it is a battle and we're in a war. Uh, and some of the battles we're going to win, some of them we're going to lose. Uh, we win this war. It's written. Uh, so if you, if you re read the book, we know how this ends. Do you think we need some more sacrifice or pain? A lot of people I speak to think we are not in the gutter yet. We haven't had enough pain yet. We haven't woken up yet. Are, are you the same uh, as, as, as well on that one? Whew, that's a hard one because personally I've been through a lot of pain, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who haven't sacrificed what we have. So I think that's a loaded question. I think some people need a little bit more pain and I think another people, some other people don't. Whereas, you know, people uh, like myself who had a post-secondary education, a career, life was great. Everything was going good, have thrown that all away and have just been, you know, living this uh, very petite life to speak the truth and try and change their communities. Um, I, I think a lot of people haven't felt what, what some of us have. And I think a lot of people haven't sacrificed, you know, needing to get rid of their toys or, or get rid of a, you know, a house or, a, you know, and, and nobody should have to do that. But some of us, have made those sacrifices to do what they believe is right and to fight for the greater good of Canadians. Yeah, I see at least three big ones that I think we should be paying attention to. The sexualization of children. That's one big category. So that includes the whole gender confusion and surgeries and uh, normalization of pedophilia, all of that. If it's under that one. Uh, there's the uh, vaccine harm and injury. I believe that one's going to open up a big can of worms when we're not, your, your grandma's still around, but yet your aunt is dying and your niece is dying and your, your cousins are dying. Um, that's going to upset a lot of people. And then the economy itself, I think we're in for a big inflationary drop. Like I think everything's coming to a head on the economy as well. Um, so we got the children, we got the health, and we got your pocketbook. Um, you put those three together, and I think enough Canadians are going to feel some at least one of those, two of those, or all three of those as a pain point for them. And that might yeah. be enough to turn this tide. Yeah, I, it will be. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, with the children thing, it's it comes back to this point where we're talking about being provoked, okay? I believe that this is being done by design to, tr to try and fuel this rage and this anger and, and have people act how they're, they – you know how any human will naturally react but you know they they want to see the bad in you so they can bring in the control that that's how i feel uh, i feel like um you know what's being done to these children and what these children are learning is is incredible and you know we all want to talk about it we all want to sit down at the table and talk to these leaders about it but they won't talk about it but you know what they'll do they'll go to uh you know they won't they won't 
they won't miss a single pride event or, or uh, whatever, you know, and they'll be in the middle of the road in the parade doing this, you know, for everybody to see like Jag meat was yesterday. Uh, but they won't address the issues in that community. You know, they, they won't address what's going on. And, you know, it's Phil. It, it, there's no other way to put it. And, and, and we can't accept it. We can't accept it anymore. And the biggest thing that I would like to convince parents to do and get comfortable doing is to get active in your, your regional uh, or your municipal politics. Because, guys, when all of this started happening, what did we do first? When we went to Ottawa, we went to the convoy, and we did all this stuff. We tried to go for the head of the beast, right? We went right to the top, to the federal government, and we've got nowhere. Both sides, conservative, liberal, they all played the game, okay? Everybody made money off of all the bad things that happened to us. It's time to cut the tree down from the bottom, not the top. We need to go to these meetings. We need to use our voices. We need to empower our neighbors to speak and advocate for our children because the future isn't looking bright for our children. And a lot of us who are, you know, screaming from the rooftops and fighting like crazy are, are, are getting burnt out. Okay. So we need more people always. We always need to make sure that we have a big team that continues growing. We, we don't, that's why I talk about this uh, leaderless movement. You don't want people to look up to you and just keep elevating one person up. No, you want to build, 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 build. So everybody can come together and turn this country into the beautiful place it used to be. I got an idea for you, Rob. I've been bouncing this around for a few for a few interviews now. Um, you're aware that the NDP you hold the balance, and it's in the West. So right now, NDP has about 25 seats in the West, and that gives them the balance of power. When you have a minority government, you have another party or group of people who hold the balance of power. We raised $10 million for the convoy. It got taken away. It didn't really get used. But we, we, we did raise $10 million pretty quick, uh, twice, uh, for the convoy that we couldn't utilize. What if we focused on 25 seats in the next election? Not 338, but 25, so that we removed the balance of power out of the NDP's hands and we put it into independence. No leader, because there's no party. There's no leader. But we have... 25 independents that have to work with the party in power. In fact, I'll flip that around. The party in power will have to work with the independent balance of power. I think that's attainable. Um, we're not looking at 338 seats. We're not looking at trying to big, build a party like the PPC or uh, take over the actual government. But we would have uh, the group that needs to be worked with in order to pass anything. What do you think about that? If we focused in the West, focused on NDP seats, focused on getting the balance of power into the hands of independents, maybe even a couple of PBC uh, seats as well, but out of NDP's hands, do you think we'd be able to use that to uh, shepherd the Conservative Party back to conservatism, uh, give them more of an anchor to work with, to get them back towards uh, policies and programs and regulations and statutes that we can actually agree with. Because uh, I don't see it happening any other way. If we continue to have a party system and it's only party members, we're going to have the, the ability to corrupt the party, like the NDP, and uh, buy them off or, or leverage them or do something else, coalition, uh, different ways to control that uh, balance of power. And by the way, that would also give the West quite the voice 
uh, for the East. Yes, it's going to be a Pierre majority or minority. I think it's going to be a minority. So people are calling majority now. But if we if we focus on um, 25 seats in the West, he won't have a majority. He'll have a minority. And then the balance of power stays in the West. What do you think about that? Because uh, I think we can put some effort there. Well, I think that's a fantastic idea. Of course, that's that's a great way to start, especially because then those people, those independents can start to bring up our real concerns, things that people are just scared to talk about uh, in the House of Commons because they know they're just going to get whipped by their superiors. Mm -hmm. So you have people like those independents that are going around and they can actually ask questions um, that they're not restricted uh, by their parties. Well, you know, we, the biggest thing we need to realize is that the NDP, the Liberals, the Conservatives, all of these are establishment parties. They will never be there to truly serve us. They are all above us in their, their views. These people don't serve the people. They, they, they never have. They're, they just run around and take photo ops. And, and, you know, when's the last time you've seen one of these people actually do something good? Once the, you know, I remember a time when we used to have town halls where people would go and, mm -hmm. and you could ask your, your people in your city questions. You'd just sit down in a room. You'd go in there and shake hands and you'd talk about what was making you upset in the community, what needs to be changed in the community. You could never get these people in a room anymore. You know, I exposed something a long time ago. I think a lot of people in our country don't even realize it's going on right now. If you go to a liberal member of parliament's office, their door is locked. You can't even go in there and talk to somebody working at their desk anymore. You need to make an appointment. I challenge you to try and make an appointment and talk with them because they will not talk to you. They are too afraid that you'll get them on camera or get them on a recording. They know everybody's trying to do an I got you moment because everybody wants to expose these people for who they are. A bunch of elite rich people who don't care about us at all. Yeah, and they scream they know what democracy is. But, for example, we saw the bylaw in Portage-Liscar where the CPC uh, candidate wouldn't go to a debate, wouldn't stand in front of Max and have a debate. That's not democracy. Uh, we saw the same thing in uh, Calgary Heritage when Kelly Lorenz was running. No debate. The, the opponent wouldn't show up for a debate at all. How do we get democracy back when parties just simply know that if I say nothing, I'm better off because if I debate these people, I'm going to do nothing but lose support. So they don't. They simply don't debate. Uh, I think Bernier I, I, was, was talking about making maybe making that mandatory where all candidates do have to debate. Uh, I was, that was one of his ideas. I was just going to say to you that if you want to be a public servant, well, your job is to serve the public. You owe them that debate. You can't back out of that. That's That's how I see things. I know that's unfortunately not the way they are now, but there's a lot of things that need to change with our political system here in Canada because it, it hasn't held up for us. And it's very obvious that, that you know, people aren't happy with the way things are going. And uh, hopefully we can get that all sorted out before tensions flare up too much in this country. Because right now, these people just call each other names. It's like a joke. You know, I... You, you know, you do this coverage with with coots and everything. There was a time where I thought I was going to start covering, uh, you know, Parliament and the House of Commons on the Internet and doing some narrative and, and whatnot. And I started watching it for a few weeks again. And I'm like, who am I kidding? Like, this is like mm -hmm. watching the WWE. 
This is literally a wrestling match where oh, maybe this guy's going to win today. Oh, maybe this guy's going to win tomorrow. But you know, at the end of the week, they're both getting off early and they're both going to be in the same position they started in on Monday. I love how you use WWE for that because we know that's scripted and, and entertainment. That's not even real, uh, just like our parliamentary process is very scripted and not real. Um, I spoke to Randy Hilliard, and I bring this up a lot because he definitely blackpilled me on the party system, especially on a provincial level. It's all just smoke and mirrors, according to him. Uh, the leaders are pecked. The, the leadership races are phony. Um, he, he knows who's going to come out be, based on... Um, special interests and special interests desires. Uh, basically, lobbyists are the ones who dictate where the party goes and what they're going to do. Do you believe in that? Uh, do you think he, he's a canary in a coal mine where he was blowing the whistle on that? Uh, I do. I, I got a lot of uh, faith in Randy Hillier. Uh, God bless Randy Hillier. He's a great guy. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, Randy just finished up uh, – a trial that he was going under one of them and uh they're going to deliver the conclusion to that uh it's coming up i'm not sure the exact date but that's going to be a big precedent setting case and uh the charges he had for that are the same charges that i had um but obviously because of how big of a figure he is they're seeing this all the way through so let's hope that uh you know we we've got some faith in our justice system there and that uh, you know, this this can make some changes come down the pipeline. But Randy, I, I find to be a very true guy. I find him to be a real, real human being. Uh, you know, he was the guy that walked out of, uh, you know, the building after he was done and lit up a smoke and, uh, you know, had the suspenders on. Uh, he was very much like you and I. He, he didn't act like some high, holy politician. And, uh, you know, when I started speaking out early on, uh, I had the pleasure of Randy came to our rallies here in Niagara. He, he came to the mall, No More Lockdown started touring around the country and uh, bringing awareness to this really early on. So I got nothing but good things to say about Randy, and uh, I do think he's a real one. And uh, it's too bad there's not more politicians like Randy Hillier who, who have their heart in the right spot instead of, uh, you know, stuck back in their wallet. Yeah, and that's why I like Chris Sky so much. Uh, so when I interviewed him, he was actually driving around bringing groceries to a woman who reached out to him because he published his phone number everywhere. He was doing yeah. this Rob Ford thing where anybody can contact him. Um, and they did, and she needed groceries. So as I'm interviewing him, he's driving around bringing groceries to her. We don't have people like that anymore. Like, that's a genuine person who cares about his constituents. But he ended up with, like, 7,000 votes and like a tiny, tiny portion. First, do you think that election was fixed? And second, why is it so difficult for someone like him to get support? Is it straight up the media who's not supporting anybody except for Chow, like who they picked? Or is it more than that? Are people just not ready for somebody who is that boisterous and, and that ready to make big change? Like I know our side would have to be happy to it, but we also have to convince the middle group who's, uh, you know, kind of Bearing all the weight on this. So here's the thing with that election. What happens with these elections is the media starts telling you who they want to win. And you know where they get that from, the government, right? Where they're funded by. So right away, as soon as this happens, there's, there's a couple different good choices who could fit this position. And, of course, they tell you who's going to win. You know, you knew right, right away it was going to be uh olivia chow or or um 
what was that other guy's name? Anthony Fury or, or the police officer. Like they have a few people in mind that they know they can work with and, 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 you know, control to a certain degree that are going to take certain things on. And these people are selected. They're not elected. Uh, that's my mm-hmm. firm belief. And like I said, maybe it's not as corrupt as we think. They just know how it works by, by, the media by repetition by showing certain people on there every day um you know i think chris guy had all the right values and uh views to win that election um but yeah you, you know the media sways you know basically you know oh if, if you're a left person you need to vote for olivia chow because that's the only one who's got a chance who's who's got liberal views or oh if you're on the right then you needed to vote for Anthony Fury because it's, you know, it's got to be hit. You know, they, they give you like two or three options, you know, as long as it's not Chris guy. And as long as it's not this person or that person, uh, you, you know, uh, they, they really know how to sway the public's opinion on these people. And I think that is a form of corruption because they're Me manipulating too. people. Yeah. 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 So absolute yeah. form of corruption, something that's gone on for far too long now. And you see this at the federal level too, like, you know, uh, you know, it looked like the media was cuddling up with Pierre for a while now, and then all of a sudden now they just smeared him the last couple of days. So it's the same thing, right? They they, they just want to tug back and, and, and keep control of whoever's, you know, running these races. Well, now let's play hypothetical for a bit. Pierre wins. What does he do? Does he make any changes? Does he revoke C4? Does he do anything? Like, what do you think one of his first moves might be? I'll tell you what I think he's not going to do. And I, I call this as, as uh, I, I've been saying this on everyone's podcast lately. I'm saying, I'm looking in the camera and I'm saying, mark my word. The first thing he said he was going to do, defund the CBC, he's not going to do it. He is not going to do it. They're going to start covering him better and he's going to like that and he's not going to touch them. Mm-hmm. This was something he used to gain traction because everybody needed to to take the media down because the media wielded so much power and control, but now they don't. So I got a feeling he's just going to keep them around. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just one of my, like uh, one of those things I just like to speculate and put out there and say, I think, and then I can say, I told you so one day. Um, But yeah, I mean, what, what, what's his biggest things he talks about carbon tax? Like, yeah, we're going to get rid of the carbon tax. Uh, You know, I asked him in person about the, the Paris climate accord and, uh, he looked me right in the eye and told me, yeah, we're going to hit all the emissions targets. We're going to do, you know, all these things. And then he goes on all the time about how <clears throat> nobody that I have in my party will have anything to do with the world economic forum. Well, dude, you don't even need to be attached to the uh, world economic forum at this point, because everything that, that, that you're in line with is in line with the, the, the great reset with, with the agenda that's at hand. So, I mean, what's the deal here? Like, are you, did you tell the world economic forum? Like, yeah, I'm going to denounce you guys, but everything else is just going to go on the way you have it. So, I mean, is it just the name people are sick of? Have people actually looked into the sustainable development goals to everything else that's par for the course? Cause so everything cheap. he's doing right now is right in line with the agenda, uh, including with the, the, this mass immigration, like immigration, uh, is a huge problem in this country right now. And, uh, you know, they'll tell you if you think that, 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 you know, you're a racist, but that couldn't be further from the truth. It's just, 
we have a lot of issues in Canada that need to be addressed. The last thing we need to worry about is everybody else. When we got our own issues, we need to take on here. And we don't even take on those problems because we're so focused on globalization and fixing the world because they want a one world government. And they mm -hmm. think the only way that will happen is if we continue to ignore our problems and say democracy, democracy, democracy. It's like you say democracy three times. You're going to convince people that we live in a democratic country when we don't. Well, they changed the definition of words like vaccine and democracy and whole bunch of things so yeah yeah i'm getting tired of it as well but look i i think uh pierre's got some questions around wef i've asked him uh, i've lost a friendship over it that would be with andrew lawton uh he was a friend at one point and not so much anymore uh because i'm raising questions around pierre and his wef ties while uh, andrew was raising uh maxine's ties which weren't ties um so i saw it real real time during the uh portage liscar uh, election, how at least one of these independent guys who were definitely toting the CPC line and, and smearing an opponent of the CPC without evidence and without merit. Um, and that broke my heart because I had him on the show. We had an excellent conversation, but you know, since then, uh, there's no relationship anymore, you know, and then, and that's hard because I, I know Andrew Lott as well. And I, I like him. Uh, but I mean, it's hard because, you know, that makes me question his integrity when he came out swinging at Max like that. And he's done it a couple times now. It's like, yeah. dude, what are you doing? I understand that Max was uh, attended there, but he, he spoke to that. And you know who, uh, you know, was was in charge of him at that time. It was the conservatives. Harper. Yeah, it Harper was Harper. Harper. And, and, and that's why he branched away from, from that, you know, it was a, it was a shift and, uh, you know, a lot of people were conservatives, um, at one point. And when Harper signed on to all this and people seen things for what they were, people started to move away from that party because they didn't want anything to do with it. And I'm one of those people. Yeah, there's some tough questions, and this is why I want to focus on balance of power, because I don't think we're going to change the Conservative Party at all. I think the Conservative Party has their mission, they have their mandate, they're drifting to the left for sure, um, because they're kowtowing to the Montreal-Toronto-Ottawa corridor there, and that is where they're at right now. They're definitely woke in that area. So they are kowtowing to it. And this is why I don't think the challenge in the fight is against the CPC at this stage. It's NDP. NDP is the one who holds the power in the West. They're the ones controlling the House right now. Because of the NDP, we can't have no confidence vote. They're going to pass all the budgets for the next two years. That's where the real power is. Singh is the most powerful Canadian right now. I believe that to be true. Um, so what yeah, do you think I, about that? The next couple of years, we focus on orange. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, they definitely are. They're forgotten about too much because I think some people just get so stressed out and pissed off at them, like well, myself. That red just, and blue, red and blue, red and blue, right? That's where the programming is. We forgot about orange. Orange has yeah, the power right now. Yeah, you're right. You know, uh, one thing that uh, uh, maybe even one of the viewers might have even got confused is I've said many times that I'm ready for Pierre to get elected right now because – I know that, you know, Bernier or the PPC, it's just not going to happen at this point, but not yet. I would, I would like the conservatives to get elected so they can show their hand and all of these neocons can finally see that this party is not going to deliver. And then 
I hope that people don't just want to swing back to the red team. I hope they can get it together and be like, wow, we need to really, con- uh, you know, create uh, some type of uh, uh solution to this political spectrum that we have right now it's not just red and blue and and you can't just flip a coin and pick who's gonna you know help us get our country back to where it was it's a it's a lot more difficult than that yeah 100 percent. and i think the time is right because even ndp voters are not happy with his performance at least half of them uh understand that he's not for that party at all not for the working class at all when you team up with the Liberal Party, you really upset your base for sure. So there's a good chance that uh, even NDP voters are ready for a change. I th- so that might be where we focus. I think a lot of people need to focus on solutions instead of just the angry things. You know, like the whole uh, Trudeau. You know, everybody dislikes Trudeau. We all know that. But you can't spend too much time worrying about that because that guy's not going to go away. If you get rid of him and Polyev goes in... I guarantee you that guy's just going to be another overbody at the uh, World Economic Forum. He's just going to get promoted, guys, and he's still going to be in your life. So don't just, oh, we got to get Trudeau out. Oh, we got to get Trudeau out. Well, when you get him out, I'll be happy too. But he's just going to go above and beyond, and he'll be at the World Economic Forum with uh, Deputy uh, you know, Christian Freeland mm-hmm. there. And, yeah. and, and, and that's what they'll be doing. That will be the next step in the game, guys. This is what I mean. This is going to be a long one. And, and it sucks, but, you know, be hopeful, be faithful, uh, you know, go the distance. And, and you know, all we can do is is be leaders and influence our, our friends, families, and our neighbors. And don't be afraid to have discussions anymore. I know a lot of us, um, you know, when our families were divided and our friendships were divided, a lot of us became reserved and just, you know, you know what, we're not going to talk about things because we don't want to be confrontational you know, da 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 da. But look what's going on in this world. Look at these injuries we're seeing. When you're done on here, go watch three or four of Dan Hartman's videos and see if it's a yeah. good time to be quiet right now. Mm. You no, know, we'll be having Dan on soon. We're just working out with his lawyer what he can and can't yeah. talk about. So hopefully you'll be seeing Dan soon. And he's got quite the story. And I definitely want to get behind him. Canada mm-hmm. doesn't really know about him enough. Twitter does, but Canada needs to know. I agree. Well, Rob, I'm going to wrap up here. I'm going to get back to the family and uh, enjoy my evening. This is my fourth podcast today. I had an early morning, four o'clock start to be in the UK to do their noon. By the way, noon for the UK is 5 a.m. here. Oh, wow. Uh, That that happened. (laughs) And then I had my normal one, and then I had an interview in between, and now you. So I'm pretty wiped. Uh, I'm one independent journalist trying to cover as much as I can here. And this is why I'm calling out to people like you and others to continue to become journalists because we need many more. We need many more. And we don't need a leader journalist, right? We just need a bunch of journalists coming together on a grassroots level and report the story. So we might be able to demonstrate through our journalistic movement, we can do a non-leader-based uh, grassroots effort that can sustain itself. I'm a sustainist, which means I'm very prejudiced against people who can and can't sustain themselves. Uh, I believe you should be sustaining yourself. That's the best path forward. And if you're anti-sustainist, you and I got a problem because that means you're a dependent. And that means you want to take what I got to depend for you. Uh, so I'm a sustainist. I'm not a racist, but I'm a sustainist. Uh, and right. on that note, Rob, you want to go ahead and let Canada know how they can find you, uh, maybe support you and get behind some of your efforts? Yeah, so uh, I just want to thank you very much for having me on here. I'm open to come on anytime you want or anytime you're having the relay. I've been watching you and uh, what you've been doing, and thank you for all of your efforts. 
you guys can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is the Rob Primo one on Twitter. Uh, so you'll, I'm pretty shadow banned. You'll, you'll, you'll find me on there somehow, but that's how you can find me. Uh, I'm also on Instagram under the Rob Primo. Um, I'm going to be getting into doing some of these podcast, uh, type things that Jason's doing here and, and, you know, just doing my part to contribute. So, uh, you guys can find me on rumble under the Rob Primo as well. If you want to add me on rumble, I think that's probably the best platform as Jason can tell you, he's suspended mm -hmm. from YouTube right now. Again. Uh, it, it's <laughs> As soon as I go on YouTube, the same thing happens. I have a YouTube if you want to follow me on there, but it's it's I'm always in jail when I'm on YouTube. So uh, they get you pretty good there. But uh, thanks for having me, and uh, I look forward to connecting with some of you guys, all of you, and uh, we'll be on again in the future, Jason. Absolutely, and we'll have you on a relay at some point as well. Uh, your voice is, is spectacular, and you're exactly the type of people looking for the relay podcasters, people that are putting out their own stuff as well. So I want to introduce Canada to so many voices. That's the purpose of the relay. Uh, yeah, we'll get you on for sure, and you will be coming back. So as you're Absolutely. ready to an announce that information and, and you're ready to tell us what you're doing with the ombudsman and stuff like that, we'll bring you back on to get an update on that as well. And Absolutely. thank you very much. You, you keep doing what you're doing on Twitter because that story about your four-year-old suspended for 20 days. Do you want to quickly tell people about that? Maybe they can go take a yeah, look. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, sure. So the government's really uh, put me through a lot in the last couple of years. They've, they've, they, they will not stop, whether it's the municipal government having personal bylaw officers assigned to follow me every day, all day. Um, it, it's, it's been a crazy ride, but the, you know, the, one of the most recent things they've done now is uh, I've got some notifications that say uh, I need to submit vaccine cards or my four-year-old uh, will be suspended from kindergarten. Um, so, you know, this is just, I've communicated with a lot of other parents who haven't turned this information over, but it seems like they really just keep coming at me any way they can, no matter what it is. Uh, they've come at me many other ways, some ways that I can't even speak to them yet because there's a whole legal process and lawsuits that are going on um but yeah they just they won't stop but uh i'm glad they won't stop because i'll never stop either so uh it's going to be interesting to uh see how this all ends one day <laughs> absolutely and we'll find some time to get me on your show as well I, I, yes I'm yeah to do that yes uh somebody if people are asking yes it's the rob primo on uh rumble on rumble too okay cool yeah. and 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 padge make, make sure we get those links we put them into the description today all right, Rob. Well, thank you so much. Right. I appreciate the time, and uh, let's keep this fight going. We're going to win thank this war. You're war. right. That's the right attitude to have, and I hope everyone has it. We definitely will be winning this war. It's just a matter of time. So, you know, be blessed. Love your family. Hug your friends. Hug your neighbors. Be positive. Let's go. Give a big shout-out to Faith, family, and the future. This is what we're going to look forward to. That's right. Thank you, Rob. Okay, we'll my friend. Take care. Peace.